Partisan election administrators do not tip the scales. This week on the Science of Politics. For the Niskanen Center, I'm Matt Grossman. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, local election officials became objects of conspiracy theories and attacks. Reviews found mostly commendable work under pressure. But local clerks do make and implement key decisions about voting opportunities and election procedures, and the U.S. system is weird for electing them mostly in partisan elections. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to wonder whether putting powers in their hands might tempt them to benefit their party's candidates. But that doesn't mean they do. This week, I talked to Daniel Thompson of UCLA about his new co-authored American Political Science Review paper, How Partisan is Local Election Administration? He finds that local partisan county clerks do not affect subsequent election results or turnout. Even those that barely win elections over their partisan opposition do not use the office to advance their party's cause. And Democratic and Republican clerks don't have large effects on turnout or policies. Thompson has also done other work showing that concerns about the partisan effects of election law changes often do not materialize. That is some good news as we head into another election season where election administration will be under a lot of scrutiny. I think you'll enjoy our conversation. So your new paper looks at the influence of uh, local partisan clerks on subsequent election results, on turnout, and on election-related policies. What, what are the main findings and takeaways? Yeah, so thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, uh, and to share this work. It's, uh, it's joint work with uh, two excellent graduate students, Joshua Farrar and Igor Gain, who um, have contributed greatly to this project. So I'm, uh, and I'm uh, glad to be here representing the three of us. Um, as you said, uh, the project studies uh, directly elected uh, partisan county clerks who are responsible for running elections in about half of the country. And, uh, and we find that the typical clerk uh, is not using their authority to provide their party a substantial advantage. So we might be worried that these clerks uh, with the authorities they have uh, are using those authorities to to give their party a boost. Uh, and we don't see much evidence for that. So let's take a step back and uh, ask what these county clerks do and how unique uh, this U.S. system is uh, and why it might be controversial. Sure. So, uh, so the the county these county clerks uh, are kind of a they were a new interest interesting institution to me to try to dig into and understand what it is they do and that's been something I think many of us have learned a bit about over the last few years as election administration has become increasingly uh, a hot button topic. Um, and uh, and so just to give you a kind of overview of what it is that they're doing, I, I, I think we kind of bucket into before election day, on election day, after election day. Um, so the way to think about it is, you know, before election day, they have a bunch of tasks that they have that they have some responsibility for, though it's generally a little bit lower grade. So these are things like they need to. Uh, manage registration, manage voting lists. Uh, if somebody passes away, oftentimes they have to remove them from the list, these types of things. Uh, they're responsible for hiring and training poll workers in the run-up to the election, uh, purchasing and maintaining equipment, citing polling places. These are all things they have to do to prepare for election day. Um, and then also before election day, um, but you know related to the process of voting more directly, is uh, they often are responsible for uh, early voting, uh, convenience voting uh, uh, methods. So these are things like also citing uh, and scheduling early voting in person, um, uh, administering absentee voting, uh, making sure that the absentee ballots or mail ballots reach the uh, people who need them. Um, and staffing all of those operations as well. Um, and so they often can make decisions around, you know, exactly how many hours to run those, where to put them, all of that kind of stuff. And then, uh, and then finally, they, uh, they have some authorities on election day administering the election. This is, again, related to staffing, running the in-person election day, but also doing things like uh, counting votes, handling provisional ballots, uh, even in some cases certifying the results. And so so uh, that kind of captures the broad scope of types of things they could do. There are some, many things that I've not mentioned there that, um, that some, some clerks do, but it gives you a kind of 
big overview. The key thing to know is that uh, clerks uh, are local officials. And uh, and so their responsibilities, while I've just described many, many things that they could do, uh, not every clerk does all of those things. Some clerks only do some smaller share of those things. Uh, this varies from state to state. It also even varies from county to county within the same state. Um, and so we spend a bunch of time in the paper trying to understand what those things are and isolate uh, the, uh, make sure we're, we're not leaning too heavily on one set of uh, institutions. Um, but the big picture is that they have, they have broad authorities to manage and administer elections at the local level. Yeah. So to a foreign uh, audience, this sounds uh, kind of crazy that we have um, Republican and Democratic uh, elected officials uh, taking on these tasks. So how, how unique is, is the U.S. system and, and why is it controversial? Yeah. So in terms of its uniqueness, uh, you know, the three of us are American politics scholars. So we're relying here on just what we have read from other uh, comparative politics scholars. Our impression generally is it is quite unusual. There are certainly a handful of cases uh, of 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 institutions that have some that bear some similarities to the U.S. Um, I haven't seen any that are exactly the same. Um, but um, as I think we'll talk about, perhaps, you know, maybe maybe we can discuss a little bit later is like what other possible institutions there might be. Um, it's a little bit tricky to, I think generally it is tricky to insulate uh, insulate election administration from uh, partisan considerations. Um, and so I don't know that it is unique, as unique as it may initially appear, but um, I would say that this particular set of, this particular constellation of institutions is is unusual. You have a separate second question, which I think is um, is 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 important for us to think about, which is, you know, why is it so controversial? Why are so many people worried about this institution? I think that comes. I mean, it can come from many places. Uh, there's, uh, you know, a great quote um, in a recent interview. A uh, uh, political scientist at UNC Charlotte, Martha Kropp, uh, said something that I really like, and I think it is uh, is relevant here. She said, you know, talking about this institution, she said, it just seems fishy, and I think that is exactly. It just that's exactly why. Uh, most of us have an, an instinctual response is like if a directly elected person who seems to be uh, um, should be you would think responsive to uh, voters is directly elected as a as a Democrat as a Republican it seems like they might be uh, exactly the kind of person who would be uh, oriented toward trying to advantage uh, the party that elected them um, I think there's also like political science reasons to, to be worried about this um, just even uh, not even theoretical just empirical if we look at uh, if we look at uh, our, our legislatures at Congress at the state legislatures one of the you know common findings that we have in recent years is that if we have you know two people who have uh, the exact same electorate, uh, are serving the exact same district, uh, but come from different parties. Uh, they vote in the legislature in radically different ways on uh, on bills that matter quite a lot. And so, uh, and so when we when we look when we look at these um, these legislative institutions, we get this intu intuition that there's high levels of polarization uh, in policymaking, and that you know so that Democrats and Republicans make radically different decisions, even when facing the same voters on uh on you know very important bills and so uh the natural question is or the natural you know expectation is that perhaps this would carry down to uh the level of election administrators who are responsible for uh you know administering our elections so you use a uh, regression discontinuity uh, design uh, so i want you to talk a little bit about uh, why uh, you do that and why uh, we can't just compare all democratic uh, and Republican clerks. Um, but in doing so, maybe you could talk about just the basic associations. Is it true that uh, Democratic or Republican uh, elected clerk areas would have higher uh, uh, turnout or higher uh, results in, in favor of their party? Uh, and is there any other thing we can do? Can we just compare uh, Democrats who replace Republicans or anything like that? Uh, so the yeah the first I think the first question like you say is like is uh, is why are, are uh, places that elect Democrats uh, as clerks and places that elect Republicans as clerks different from one another just to begin with just like looking at the raw data without looking without using any research design um, and uh, if we were to have just gone and uh, and found all the places that elected Democratic clerks, all the places that elected Republican clerks, and asked how different are they, um, we would see that they're quite different. So places that elect uh, uh, Democratic presidential candidates receive about 
10 percentage points more of the vote in counties that uh, that have Democratic clerks than in counties that have Republican clerks. Um, but we have a lot of strong reasons to expect that to be the case in advance without um, for reasons completely unrelated to the party of the clerk. And so these would be things like, um, you know, first and foremost, we think that those places are different uh, because of their, uh, you know, preferences about how uh, everything from, you know, how the federal budget might be uh, out used and how large the federal budget ought to be uh, to differences around how elections ought to be run. Um, and those things are uh, are related in, in American politics. Um, and so uh, places that vote for Democrats for a president uh, might also vote for Democrats uh, at the clerk level. Um, this wouldn't mean that the clerk is, uh, is using their authority to advantage their party. It just means that the voters, when they enter the ballot, box uh, prefer a Democrat in both offices uh, or, you know, or a Republican. Um, and this association we see in the raw data, um, uh, it is, I think, one thing to note that's kind of interesting to, to us uh, in, in writing this paper is that we were surprised that it wasn't even bigger than it is, that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of recent work uh, documenting uh, how tight the relationship is between Democratic vote in uh in con for you know congress and uh and you know how much uh, uh an electorate votes for democrats for congress and how much they vote for democrats for president or uh or for state legislature and president um one of the one of the things that's kind of striking here in our data is just that that correlation is quite a bit smaller between uh, the correlation between Democratic vote share for clerks and Democratic vote share for president is quite a bit smaller than it is for uh, for you know U.S. Senate and president or something. That's not terribly surprising ex post. Now that we have seen that, you can say, well, you know, clerks do something that's quite different from uh, the president, and senators do something that's a little maybe are uh, are are uh, voting on policies that are a little bit more similar. Um, uh, but uh, but it, it, we thought it was interesting nonetheless, given the nationalization of American politics. Tell us tell us about the regression discontinuity uh, design, and maybe in doing so, tell us how close uh, these uh, clerk elections tend to be, and how many elections we're looking at then. Yeah, great. So uh, so the so given that we know that uh, that places that elect uh, Democratic clerks are already more likely to vote for Democrats uh, just because of this uh, this uh, preference for Democrats for both offices. Uh, to, we need to do something that is going to allow us to isolate the effect of, ele- of, uh, of Democratic clerks or Republican clerks um, on the uh, on the election outcome. Ultimately, we want to be able to say is had these places uh, had a Republican clerk running the election rather than a Democratic clerk or you know the opposite, um, that we would have uh, gotten different election outcomes. And so what we do in this in this paper is compare uh, you know using uh, this this re- this regression discontinuity research design. What we do is compare places that. Uh, essentially randomly uh, elected a Democratic clerk rather than a Republican clerk and ask whether uh, the places that uh, that uh, elected the Democratic clerk have higher Democratic vote share. And the way that we do this, the way that this design does, this is a common design now, is, uh, is, to, uh, is to use data that uh, use elections where uh, clerk elections where the election is relatively close. Um, so you know some number of you know in our case uh, we're often using uh, elections where uh, the election is decided by uh, by five percent or ten percent. Uh, I think eight percent is our is our um, is our standard margin. And then uh, and then what you do is you uh, is you use regression to to learn about what's happening in tied elections. Um, so places where the election would if if we had data, what would we have been able to, what would we have seen when the election was literally tied and it was actually a coin flip where the Democrat won or the Republican won. Um, 
and uh, and using this, uh, we're able to say we can say that those places, because it was essentially a coin flip, the places that elected Democrats and the places that elected Republicans are identical before having elected those people. And so any differences uh, that we see in how they vote in the presidential election or how elections are administered are a result downstream of the decision to have elected a Democratic clerk rather than a Republican. You also look at uh, turnout uh, and don't find a strong uh, association, um, but it it might be the case that we would expect a, a difference even if um, the clerks weren't out there trying to rig elections in favor of their party, that there would just be differences in uh, policies uh, selected uh, that might impact turnout. So why why doesn't that occur? Yeah, so, so I can share a little bit about how we think about this, we kind of think about this, and I think we see this as two as two separate questions that are you know closely related empirically, but important to distinguish for the purposes of you know understanding what's going on. One is that we have this uh, you know just knowing a bit about American history and politics, we know that um, even though there are you know many counterexamples, and I don't want to say this paint with too broad a brush, we can say that. Uh, I think Democrats have, uh, in the last few decades, uh, more often advocated for expansions of the franchise and policies that lower the cost of voting relative to Republicans. Though, again, like I say, there are many counterexamples. I don't want to be, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Um, And so one prediction is that uh, Democrats might put in place uh, policies that increase participation simply because, you know, that, that the Democratic clerks are um, uh, uh, prefer, you know, that the Democratic places prefer those policies, elect Democratic um, Democratic clerks, that uh, even in the regression discontinuity design, that uh, Democratic clerks uh, have that orientation uh, as compared to Republican clerks, uh, kind of like what we see in Congress, uh, where uh, Democrats, Democratic uh, legislators might be more likely to uh, support uh, franchise expansions and policies that lower the cost of voting than Republicans from the exact same uh, supported, you know, coming from the exact same district. Um, and what we see, in fact, is that uh, is that Democratic clerks and Republican clerks, uh, once you account for the uh, district characteristics, like we do with the regression discontinuity design, we don't find uh, much evidence that uh, Democratic clerks uh, increase uh, participation. Uh, we have a bunch of potential explanations for this um, that we uh, try to work through. I think you know one uh, one. Uh, classic explanation or one, you know, one, I think, very plausible explanation is simply that a lot of the things over which they have authority uh, don't uh, dramatically change uh, participation. So even if they change policies, uh, the changes in policies don't lead to a dramatic increase or decrease in uh, in participation. So one possible um, problem uh, in finding relationship is that uh, Democrats and Republicans don't actually implement different policies uh, that are, are might have an effect on a turnout. They don't try. Another possibility is that they do, um, but those policies don't necessarily end up increasing or decreasing uh, turnout. Do we know which one it is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think the one, uh, as you say, there are there's some explanation. One explanation is that they they implement different policies, and those policies do not result in different outcomes, uh, different levels of turnout. One, another possibility is that they implement similar policies, um, but they uh, uh, and and so ultimately that has no effect on different outcomes. Um, we we have a little bit of evidence to, for this uh, around this to the, toward this question um, toward an, that can help us answer this question, but it's not. I don't wouldn't say it's definitive. So um, what we what we find is that uh, is that uh, Democratic and Republican clerks seem to implement similar policies. Uh, the um, it's our evidence here is noisy, so it, it's not uh, it's not. Uh, it we could it could be that Democrats and Republicans implement slightly different policies, and we just can't uh, we just can't pick up those differences. Um, uh, still, we don't see evidence for dramatic differences in the policies that Democrats and Republicans uh, implement as clerks. So uh, your research uh, suggests that some of these concerns about partisan election clerks uh, are overblown, um, but some people might say that that's just the past um, and we're 
uh, moving into a, a set of cycles where now there are, are real uh, uh, crazy folks that uh, still think that the uh, last election was completely stolen, um, who are running for these offices, and maybe you can't even win as a Republican clerk in a county uh, without agreeing with Donald Trump uh, that uh, lots that the elections were stolen and that you might be more motivated than past actors to take these uh, kinds of, of actions. Um, what, what do you make of, of uh, maybe we haven't seen it, uh, but, but that doesn't mean it won't come? Yeah, I think it's this is a, this is an important question, and it and the and trying to figure out how the what the evidence that we have in the paper can tell us about this um, takes some uh, you know thoughtful consideration. Of course, we do not have you know a crystal ball. We can't uh, we can't run the the this regression discontinuity design for 2028, um, but we can do some uh, not yet, uh, but we can do some things uh, now that I think. Um, that at least are informative. So um, we've got a, a few things, some in this paper and some in in, in later work uh, that we're currently uh, currently con- uh, research we're currently conducting. So just to focus on what's in this paper first, um, I think as the discussion we just had uh, starts to point toward, there are kind of two explanations for why uh, why we're not finding uh, uh, that that clerks advantage their party um, and they point in different directions in terms of how worried we should be about uh, about future elections. Um, so let's pause it for a, the mo- a moment that uh, everything everything you said is is right that in fact uh, there is a dramatic increase in the number of people running elections at the local level that have um, that have intentions to uh, ad- advantage their party. Um, uh, if that's the case, um, uh, it really matters what, uh, what we, why we found, uh, that, uh, that clerks historically have not advantaged their party. Uh, so one explanation is that, uh, is that in the past, uh, clerks, um, or at least up till, up until today, uh, clerks have, uh, by and large, not intended to advantage their party, um, and that they did this because of uh, some, you know, public service motivation, or uh, or the selection process that led to to the types of people who are in office uh, leads to uh, less, you know, weak, smaller differences between Democrats and Republicans than than we would expect by just looking at public opinion surveys about election how elections ought to be run. Um, and and I think there are good reasons to expect something like this. Um, I have previous I have earlier work uh, studying sheriffs, which finds a has a similar uh, kind of finding where what we see is that you know Democratic and Democrats and Republicans have wildly different views on election on um, on immigration enforcement at the you know if you just ask them on uh, on opinion polls and even on uh, on uh, on particular things around low, you know, election, uh, around immigration enforcement in their communities. Um, they have wildly different views, but when you look at sheriffs and how they implement immigration law at the local level, um, democratic and Republican sheriffs implement very similar election, uh, immigration do immigration enforcement in very similar ways. Um, and, uh, and one thing we see, I see in that paper is, uh, is that, uh, Democratic and when you survey Democratic and Republican sheriffs, they have very similar attitudes about immigration enforcement, which is you know striking given how different the uh, attitudes are in the mass public. And uh, and one of the explanations that I kind of walk through in that paper is is just that uh, you know the types of people who have the experience and background to be elected sheriff uh, may have developed. Uh, uh, different opinions, uh, or may have needed to have different opinions to achieve that uh, level of experience in uh, in uh, as a sheriff uh, in order to successfully win the office. And so, so it's possible something like that is going on here, where uh, where Democrats and Republic Democratic and Republican clerks uh, have similar preferences uh, because of the selection process. Uh, the types of folks who have the background and experience to end up in that office um, actually are uh, hold similar views, and we see some evidence for that in our paper, but not quite as much as I saw in the in the sheriff paper. Um, 
And uh, and if that were the explanation for why uh, Democrats and Republicans uh, don't seem to be advantaging, why county clerks don't seem to be advantaging uh, their party, uh, I think it would be concerning because it would say that if more if we replace these folks with uh, with folks who have wildly different uh, views on how elections ought to be administered, then they could plausibly uh, do something very different uh, and uh, and shape how elections are administered at the local level. Um, there's another explanation that I want to just quickly touch on, which is that uh, is which is that there are institutional constraints to how they behave, and that's kind of more closely related to what I was describing before around this this possibility that. Uh, that maybe election officials know that, in fact, many of the decisions that they could make to advantage their party, uh, that they think, you know, that is commonly thought to be potential opportunities to advantage their party really don't uh, lead to much difference uh, in outcomes. And there's some costs associated, whether those are legal risks or or actual you know financial costs, um, or maybe they're constrained by, uh, you know, they have um, they have uh, the people who hold the purse strings, which are, who are often uh, county uh, county uh, commissioners, um, that uh, some exter- external constraints are actually reining them in, and 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 so even if you replace. Uh, uh, you know, a bunch of sensible clerks with uh, clerks who have strong partisan motivations, who seek to you know dramatically change the outcome of uh, elections in their community. Uh, that there are all kinds of constraints that they can't really uh, overcome them. And so that's all to say that like going forward, we don't have, we can't say too much. We can say that you know up until today, we don't see, and even in 2020, we don't see evidence for um, for uh, Democrats and Republicans uh, uh, clerks advantaging their party. Um, uh, we can't say too much uh, directly about the future, but theory, reasoning about it from the evidence that we have, um, I think uh, the real question, to, the things to look out for are, you know, is how much do we believe that that uh, there are constraints on this office, and uh, and if there aren't. Um, uh, is it really the case that these that there's a new wave of of people taking over this office? But some of the uh, norms and constraints that we thought were fairly uh, obvious seem to be tested after the the 2020 uh, election. Um, two examples is that uh, election officials were. Um, were pressured not to certify election results um, after after the fact, and then um, Trump campaign lawyers actually uh, asked uh, judges uh, to invalidate a whole uh, whole counties' votes um, to have them not count for the statewide totals um, because of a dispute uh, related to whether the local officials had implemented uh, the correct uh, policy that the state legislature had. Um, had created. So I know you didn't study this directly, but that does seem to indicate that, you know, maybe you're just not uh, uh, thinking wildly enough, I guess, uh, about what might happen uh, in to a partisan uh, election administration uh, in an era in which, you know, one of the national parties might be willing to do everything possible under their control. Now, obviously, uh, that all those efforts were pushed back uh, by uh, federal judges. Uh, Everyone ended up certifying elections. Um, but uh, can we be sure that that will happen next time? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's something that we can directly speak to. I mean, I think the. I. I think the. All the. All, everything you said is is right, and um, and the the question, the way that I think, you know, we have thought about uh, about these kind of broader sets of concerns, you know, things outside of. Uh, you know, we're focused on this particular office of, of uh, you know, partisan elected clerks, and and we're studying their typical behavior. We can't really look at these. You know, our research design doesn't allow us to say that much about about uh, about extreme cases or about um, uh, or about you know rare you know these kind of rare but really important uh, examples. Um, we're more asking: Does this institution? On average, tend to produce these kinds of advantages for the uh, the uh, the people who hold the office. Um, but I think it does. I think you know. Uh, I think it does speak to some of these questions. Um, so uh, 
I think, you know, there's one part of what you were asking about is, uh, and, you know, the, the kind of setup that you uh, laid out there, um, the set of facts that you laid out there um, is, uh, is just that, uh, that there, even despite a lot of very, um, you know, a lot of effort being put into trying to change uh the certification and counting of the votes, et cetera, that, uh, uh, that, uh, federal courts uh, kind of constrained those efforts. I think that's some of what could be happening in, happening in our case. And I think, you know, just uh, the evidence that we see in our exam in our in our little case um, bears on this on these questions a bit because it suggests that you know maybe there is maybe it's it's not direct certainly not direct evidence for con- these constraints functioning, but at least it's consistent with those constraints functioning. Um, Another, um, another kind of, you know, part of this is, is that, is that also, um, uh, it suggests that, you know, going in, I think we were genuinely, uh, open to any possible set of findings that the, that partisan, uh, clerks meaningfully advantaged their party or didn't. That is why we felt it was an important thing to investigate and go get a bunch of data and go do the do the best job we could to answer the question. I think having now seen that, I I at least update a bit in the direction of being less worried about this in other areas where I would also have expected it in advance. So that's not to say that it's that's not to, that's you know that's only that's only weakly associated with these these other types of concerns and uh, and one of the challenges in in the U.S. today is that uh, because elections are so incredibly close, um, even small. Uh, things can make big differences in uh, who wins, um, but uh, but I am I definitely come away from this exercise of doing this writing this paper feeling a little bit less concerned than I was the day I went in. So as as you mentioned, uh, one potential explanation uh, for some of these null findings is that uh, the, there might be policies implemented, but the policies don't make uh, the differences that we uh, think they make. Um, and you have uh, several other pieces of research that that point um, in favor of that uh, explanation in other contexts. Um, looking at uh, both uh, vote by mail uh, and um, extended absentee uh, voting in uh, 2020, both places where at least partisan actors were acting like uh, they should be making a partisan uh, difference um, and and didn't. So explain what you did there and and why those policies might not have made the difference political actors expected them to. Yeah, so this is uh, this is also uh, collaborative research. Uh, in this case, with uh, Jesse Yoder, Andy Hall, Jen Wu, and then uh, and on one paper, and then on another paper, also uh, Andy Myers, uh, Sandy Huntan Nader, um, and uh, and and some others. Um, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. Uh, but the point this these projects are. Um, uh, we're both, uh, you know, intended to try to answer this question. You know, how much does uh, does expanding absentee voting uh, in in 2020 and before uh, lead to higher participation and uh, and um, and uh, and advantages for the Democratic Party? Exactly as you said, there's this kind of idea that they that they do that they advantage democrats and that's why we have so much partisan contest over these issues in fact what we what we do is kind of in these two papers is two completely different research designs completely different data completely different settings and even different policies but we find pretty similar things which is that um which is that uh, there is only a modest, if any, uh, it, uh, increase in participation by uh, switching from to universal vote by mail from uh, a uh, from not sending everybody a mail ballot, um, and also from expanding options to vote by mail. We don't see a large increase in participation even in 2020, and that uh, these uh, changes. Uh, do not seem to dramatically advantage uh, Democrats. Um, the two research designs, you know, one is studying uh, counties that shifted from 
uh, from having uh, more traditional in-person uh, and mixed in-person by mail elections to universal uh, mail balloting, where everybody is sent a mail ballot. You can return it in person, but that you uh, the but that everybody is uh, is sent a mail ballot. Another that though that study um, looks at before 2020, and we find again that uh, that there's a modest increase in participation, and that. Uh, Democrats don't seem to be uh, do better in elections administered uh, by mail. Um, and then in a separate paper, because we were worried that um, perhaps 2020 would be different, that because in 2020, uh, in 2020, uh, Democrats would be especially worried about COVID more than more than Republicans, and uh, and that. Um, and so, uh, if they if Democrats couldn't vote by mail, uh, they might be less likely to participate. Whereas Republicans would be just as likely to participate whether they could vote by mail or not. Um, and so we were worried that maybe the these, these this pattern of effects that we saw in previous years wouldn't hold. So what we did in 2020 is looked at uh, Texas and Indiana, where. Um, looked at uh, where in both states there's this policy where you can vote by mail uh, if you're over if you're 65 or older, um, but it's very difficult to vote by mail if you're 64 or younger. And so we compared people who are 64 to people who are 65 and said, uh, did this this policy that changes discreetly at that age cutoff um, lead to uh, higher participation? Uh, uh, when people could vote by mail um, in 2020, uh, and did this differentially affect Democrats and Republicans? And uh, and we just don't see much evidence that this had a differential effect for Democrats and Republicans. This uh, would seem to introduce a puzzle, which is uh, why is it that Democrats and Republicans seem to agree that easier registration and easier voting and more options for voting is going to be good for Democrats uh, if that doesn't actually end up being the case? I, I don't have a great answer for for why why this is uh, a, a such a highly contested issue. Um, I think one one thing is that you know I uh, and I, I one thing that I've heard from from folks which I think is uh, completely reasonable is that um, you know there are some in some ways this is just a difference different ethical views on on how elections ought to be conducted i genuinely different views on on you know what is the right way to conduct an election um and and that these that people who hold these views have sorted into the different different parties um accordingly there's also and so so we might think that you know even one vote which would not be you know we can't these statistical tests cannot 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 uh pick up uh the the single vote that is uh that is um that a person is not able to cast because uh they uh because they don't have uh the proper identification uh in a uh in a voter id state or that the the small number of votes that are cast because um because somebody doesn't need to get off work uh and they can vote uh early in person these uh these it might be that these uh types that these effects are small but that they ma are meaningful um, to uh, to meaningful just on 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 ethical grounds that people that Democrats tend to more Democrats think that that uh, people ought to have access to these uh, to the ballot and more Republicans uh, think that the that the um, that the process ought to be secure and uh, and you know uh, represent uh, and not and not allow for you know any questions, any potential fraud, and that these two views are just not very compatible and hard to um, you know they're hard to square and uh, easy to fight over. Um, uh, and so I'm not. It's not clear to me. I think this is an open question that we ought to be asking is, you know, where do these differences between Democrats and Republicans on preferences come from? Um, but, uh, but it's not clear that they, that they ought to come from, uh, uh, that they ought to arise from the, uh, from the outcomes of these policies. There is one potential explanation that I don't want to, I don't want to just breeze past, which is that like, uh, there, while, while a lot of what while a lot of this literature is, I think, consistent, pretty consistently finding that these advantages, uh, advantages of you know 
that, that changing these policies don't tend to uh, affect election outcomes all that much. Um, it, our elections are very close in many places and policy matters a lot uh, to many people. And so it could be that, that, you know, these effects, the effects are so small that we can't really observe them. They matter in a very small number of cases, but that, uh, that uh, the, you know, people who are worried about this uh, care about those small number of cases. And, um, and so if, if that would be a perfectly reasonable way to interpret the the evidence um it's just that you can't i don't i don't think it would be fair to interpret the evidence as being consistent with very large effects that would swing elections that would not otherwise be close sorry to be skeptical of the uh, ethical uh differences uh, uh ex- explanation but it, it it seems like the literature that um that tries to explain these policy differences, say across states or, or localities, and even interviews with elected officials themselves, there's often some open uh, discussion that this is being done to um, to advantage their political party. Um, if, if the implications are switched, uh, like in military ballots, we often see d- differences um, that don't seem to be consistent um, with, with other cases. Um, there's also literatures that have found effects on uh, adoption of these policies having to do with uh, potential racial differences. So I guess I'm, I, I would guess that that they really do think these will make <laughs> large effects, um, but that, um, but that you know, we may just not find those effects. So I guess, is it possible that um, elected officials just believe that these uh, decisions have major implications? They don't, um, and they might learn that they that they aren't as influential as we think. That's that's totally possible. Um, yeah, it's 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 totally possible. I mean, it it's um, uh, I. I yeah it, that that's complete it's a completely plausible uh, the way what you just laid out is completely plausible to me and I I have no strong argument against it I think that I think uh, what that tells me is that you know uh, you've convinced me there's something really interesting that we ought to be trying to ought to be trying to understand better um, and uh, and so I think it's worth I think there I think there are many possible explanations and we ought to go try to figure out what those what what actually is consistent with the evidence. As you mentioned, this was a somewhat sleepy area of uh, political science to think about election administrators and election administration uh, policy, but it's become uh, much more um, uh, popular in recent uh, years um, with, I, I would I don't want to overcharacterize the literature, but but a lot of defense of what administrators are doing um, and some suggestions that uh, these kinds of uh, policies might not be uh, as uh, partisan as as we expect. So, uh, how, how do you, how would you characterize that research? Um, have we benefited from the increased attention to election administration, and and what have we learned? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the I think we've learned. I mean, I've learned a lot. I I, uh, I a lot of these facts, while you know they were they were in the literature. If you went and went to look for them, uh, we might you might have come to this conclusion before. I know plenty of people have would say that. Um, though, like when I look at the historic, when I look at the previous literature in this area, I find that it's, it's often quite mixed and it's hard to, it's hard to parse. So I think it's good that we've done this work. Um, um, I, uh, I, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important that we, um, that we understand what are these effects, um, and, uh, and, and try to, hopefully it will help us as we continue to try to design these institutions. I mean, one thing, one thing I would, I would, I think is, you know, important to, to point out is that, is that while a lot of these, uh, while it might seem like these institutions, you know, we studied one particular institution here. Um, while it might seem like these institutions are just kind of handed down, and uh, and uh, and the political role of the political political science is just to understand uh, understand how they work. In fact, like just you know today, like right now across the country many many counties are deciding whether to directly elect uh, an uh, an election official whether to have a partisan or a nonpartisan election official and they're switching back and forth in all kinds of different directions and uh, and these decisions are often motivated uh, by some of are often you know in the discussions about these decisions there's often 
questions around you know how these institutions function is it the case that democratic clerks advantage their party uh and you know or that clerks advantage their party democrats advantage democrats and republicans advantage republicans um and uh in fact like jo- my co-author on this project joshua farrar has a really neat uh uh working paper on this question asking you know how much do um uh, does electing these clerks uh, versus appointing them lead to uh, more participation, higher registration rates, et cetera, and, uh, and is studying a bunch of these, uh, these institutional changes. So I think there's a lot of reason that we, there's, you know, the good reasons that uh, political scientists ought to be, you know, focusing in this area, even, um, and also, as you say, that, you know, uh, because election administration has become increasingly contested, understanding um uh what are the areas of contest that are uh that are are reasonable and what is not as well founded is is really is really important um and uh, and so it's something that i think uh i hope to see continue to see more more work in this area so despite that uh bright future uh this research uh is entering a very politicized uh uh context um in which uh, nearly half uh, the country believes that the previous election uh, was stolen, uh, and um, a- and in the face of a pretty repeated set of uh, not just research findings, but uh, uh, media and public official and even own party uh, confirmation uh, that that it was uh, that it was not. Um, so, given that context, you know, can we hope? Can we hope that this uh, kind of finding will break through or is everyone um, going to kind of continue to believe that uh, the, the other party is is rigging things in their favor? My view is maybe a little bit, I, I think there are, you know, competing perspectives on how this type of research should, uh, should be used. Um, my view is that, uh, and is that, is that the the goal of this kind of work is to develop a set of facts that can inform our our uh, our theory around you know uh, how institutions should be designed in order to uh, achieve uh, you know uh, the best possible outcomes and uh, and accordingly it. it like any individual paper is just, you know, one part of, of how we can learn about, uh, about this space and that it doesn't really tell, it doesn't, it shouldn't, it should no single paper, uh, should be especially convincing to, uh, to any, you know, public official. Um, but that hopefully over time, as we assemble, uh, more and more evidence and, uh, and start to, uh, reach, you know, consistent set of findings using good research designs that, uh, that this would, um, uh, that would, that this would, uh, you know, shape the public discourse, whether that's through, um, whether that's through the papers themselves, which I'm maybe a little bit more skeptical of, or through, uh, you know, the types of things that, uh, you and I are doing all the time, speaking to, uh, undergraduates about, about, uh, about, uh, research in American politics, uh, uh, speaking to the public about, uh, research in American politics, uh, that, uh, that that process can over time uh, uh, shape debates, and so we see this all you know all the time in our discussions of, for example, of of uh, of polarization. A lot of a lot of policies that um, might be directed at reducing or at reducing polarization, uh, we find that maybe they're not as effective as we thought. Then we then then they then you know, advocates uh, lean in different directions. And I think we are, we can see, we might see some of that in, in this election administration space as well. Um, but I don't think it happens, you know, with the, with any individual paper or even a series of papers. It's hope, hopefully it's the, you know, collection of, of research in, in an area that, that, uh, that does that. And I, 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 I am more hopeful about that. Uh, your chance to tout anything that you're working on now that um, might help uh, inform these debates or anything we did, didn't get to that you wanted to include? Sure. Um, I mean, I'll say one thing that is related to just the, the particular subject that we we're talking about here, which is that... Uh, which is that uh, Joshua Farrar and I also, you know, again, uh, one of the authors of this of this paper that we've been talking about mostly today is um, uh, the two of us have been working on uh, on trying to study this question of how different are election administrators today than they were 
four years ago, eight years ago. Um, and so uh, Joshua has led a really co- great effort of collecting uh, lists of these officials across uh, dozens of states over time for the last uh, 30 years to extend what we have, which is just the partisan elected officials, be able to extend this to places that don't have partisan officials, that have um, uh, appointed officials rather than elected officials, etc. And be able to, and then we're linking, working on linking this uh, to uh, to campaign finance records and uh, and the voter file to be able to say you know who are these folks and how um, how have they changed over time what does turnover look like is it really the case that a lot of these folks have fled the a lot of the uh, folks who've been working in this position for a long time have fled the office and um, and so hopefully we'll have some findings on that uh, soon in the next in the in the coming. Uh, six months or so. And then um, another project that I think is related here to this subject um, is that I've just uh, completed a paper with Apoorva Lal um, uh, studying this, uh, the studying a particular, uh, another uh, way in which um, election administration has become highly contested, um, which is uh, these uh, $350 million in uh, in private grants to local election officials uh, from the Center for Tech and Civic Life, uh, which is funded by uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan. And this, uh, and what we've, what we've found is, is consistent with kind of a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, which is, which is that, um, you know there were there were dramatic uh, differences in places that received the funding that didn't. That Democratic counties were much more likely to have uh, to apply for and receive uh, funding uh, from these uh, uh, to help support the administration of elections. And people are worried that this led to increased turnout and, and support for Democrats in those places, and that this ultimately uh, contributed to the Biden's win in 2020. And what we document is that despite this pattern of a Democratic places. Being being more likely to receive this funding, uh, that uh, that the effect of this funding on uh, on the uh, on Democratic vote share and on participation was was so small uh, that we can't we can't distinguish it from having no effect at all, and that even at the top end of our ninety five percent confidence rules, the effect is not large enough to be consistent with uh with having uh substantially affected the election and so um and so we take this as uh, you know consistent with this this the theme of the work that i've been describing here which is that uh, there's kind of a consistent pattern that a lot of these things even when we dramatically increase funding for elections in some places and not in others uh uh, we don't see it uh, uh it dramatically changing the outcomes of the election there's a lot more to learn the Science of Politics is available bi-weekly from the Niskanen Center. I'm your host, Matt Grossman. If you like this discussion, here are the episodes you should check out next, linked on our website. How Early Voting is Changing American Elections How Campaign Money Changes Elections Before and After Citizens United Interpreting the Results of the 2020 Election Does the 2022 Election Show How Democratic Campaigns Win? And Do Democrats and Republicans Get Different Results? Thanks to Daniel Thompson for joining me. Please check out How Partisan is Local Election Administration, and then listen in next time. 